Hey friends, welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. My name is John Gunter. This week we're talking about the story uh, and we're in chapter 18. This chapter is about Daniel in exile. And uh, it's not only Daniel, it's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And for the sermon this week, we talk really about the example that these men show in the face of real adversity, in the face of really having their faith tested and having to decide whether they were going to stand for what they believed was right or if they were going to go along with the crowd. And for some of us, we can't really imagine that in this way, in this such a dramatic way. But I think we can learn a lot from them and how we interact with people every single day. So again, we thank you for listening. We hope you'll come visit us and see us in person. You have a great week. Mother's Day, we kind of cheer and applaud our mothers. And on Father's Day, we say, you better do better. (laughs) So today, I thought we'd switch it up and bash mothers for a while. (laughs) Since mine's here, you know, so she's here to take it. I, uh, as an adopted person, I'm blessed with two mothers. Uh, My mother here has always provided a stable home and a Christian example given me everything I've needed to grow up and to be successful, and I couldn't be more grateful. Uh, And I also have a mother who loved me enough to give me to a woman who could do that. And what a special thing that was, and I know some of you have experienced that that exact thing. Uh, Loving someone is can be very difficult. To love is to sacrifice. It is to have wants and dreams, hopes and desires, and to love enough to put those out there knowing they may be trampled on and changed and shifted. And I think that's what we see in the whole of Scripture, with God's love for us and the way he loves us, the way that he puts himself out there for us, and the way that he encourages us to do exactly the same thing. And so to parent is to do that, is to be like that, is to put that out there, is to love in this way. And I think one of the, the things for me, not being a, uh, an expert on motherhood, but as a parent, to see my young children and to see all that's in front of them in the world and to have this hope and desire that I have done enough, You ever wrestle with that? That I have done enough, that I have said the right things, that I have shown the right example to my kids so that when I'm not there anymore, when I'm not standing by their side to make the decisions, that they are in this position to go out into the world and be the examples that we hope and desire that they would be. This morning, as we get into chapter 18 of the story, I think that's what we see here. We have three different stories, and all of them uh, concerning either Daniel or Daniel and Rack, Shack, and Benny, for those of you who are... (laughs) Those of you who are VeggieTales fans. uh, Katie Katie leaned over and she said, are you going to sing the bunny song? I said, no. And I thought about it. I thought, maybe I will. You know what? But she said, there'll always be Rack, Shack, and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we started last week talking about the exile of the Israelites. We asked, you know, what would it be like for you to be taken away from your homeland, 
to be moved to a new area foreign to you, foreign in customs and worships of gods and all of these things? And how would that affect your life if you were in small group? We asked some tough questions that I was really proud of mine. We asked some questions about how would you deal with this? What, is it fair that some of these people were taken away? And so as we kind of wrestled with the exile, we get a very personal story or, or stories this week about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I go Rack, Shack, and Benny all the time, y'all just, y'all just go with me, okay? And so what we see here uh, with these guys, the first thing you should notice is the changing of the names. Did you catch that in the story this week? Because remember last week as we talked about when, when everyone was exiled, they didn't take everyone. They took the people they thought would be most useful, people who had power or money or they had abilities or in this case, young men who were without physical defect. I don't know exactly what that means. I assume I'm the same kind of person. I'm sure you all do too. But the first thing that happens is we're also going to change their name. So we've ripped you away from your homeland, and we also ripped you away from your very name. And of course, a name is something you don't call yourself all the time, unless you're speaking in the third person, you weirdo. But it is, it is something that someone else calls you. And so for them, this was another way to take them out of their element and to let them know you are not home anymore. The first story we get is, is about Daniel and uh, all of these young men, these fine strapping young men, uh, being brought into the king's council of sorts. And they have to make a decision in this moment. It doesn't say that they were given a decision, but they decide we are go not going to partake in the food that the king is giving us. Now, I don't know if I was shipped off to a foreign land and I was able to sit with the king, I would probably feel pretty lofty about myself. And I don't know that the food necessarily would be the question. I'm not eating that. Either. The king's eating it. I'm eating it, right? But the issue here is not that the king didn't have fine food, but most likely what the king had was offered to foreign idols. And so in a decision that most men would not make, Daniel decides to go vegetarian. And some of you stopped your story reading right there this week, didn't you? <laughs> I can't read it. But Daniel knew in this moment there, vegetables were not sacrificed to God. Now we can go into that and assume why God does not want vegetables either, okay? <laughs> we were trying some things out of the garden this week, and, and Logan said, I don't like that. And we said, how do you know that? He said, because it's a vegetable. <laughs> Okay. But Daniel in this moment stands up for his faith in, in a moment that really wasn't, we wouldn't see that as tested in the way that the other stories were. Daniel also, as we know in the picture on the screen here, was tested in a much more significant way. The king loved Daniel, but the king had some servants who did not. And they decided they didn't like Daniel. He was too, I think what it was, he was too perfect. They said they couldn't find any flaws in him. The only way that we're going to get to Daniel is to impact him between him and his God. And so they talk to the king and make this law saying for the next 30 days, anyone not praying specifically to the king 
you're going to be guilty and is going to be killed. And Scripture makes a point to say these laws cannot be repealed. And the king in this moment, in a moment of pride and, and pomp and power, says, of course, why would, anyone else, why would anyone bow to anyone other than me? And then after signing the law, signing the decree, he realizes that what he's done is basically sentenced his friend Daniel to death. And as we know, uh, Daniel is caught in prayer. He does not change his routine. Uh, he prays in front of the window. And what boldness does that take? Now, I can tell you that uh, I would probably still be praying, but I don't know that the window would be open. Um, probably have all the lights off, right? All the things done. Uh, when I visited the Temple Mount there in uh, Israel, the Temple Mount, of course, is Muslim-controlled. And uh, one of the things they told us, first of all, it was Ramadan, so they weren't eating, so you couldn't even chew gum because they didn't want to even think about eating. Uh, but one thing they told us was, you cannot pray here. And my rebellious self said to myself, watch me. I'm not going to get on my knees. I'm not going to hit the dirt. But I said a prayer. And if you're watching out there, I said a prayer on the Temple Mount. That's okay. But I didn't do it in a display like Daniel did. He had such boldness and courage in this moment. And of course was, again condemned to go to the lion's den. And we know the story, and we've told it so long. Maybe it's lost a little bit of its meaning. We know that God saved Daniel, that he somehow shut the mouth of the lions. And I think sometimes that just kind of rolls off of us in a way that we don't see the power in it. But if I told you right now that I had, uh, I had procured some lions this morning, now, we've got lion handlers. We've got two guys per lion, and they're going to come in this door right now. How would you react? Because sometimes I think we look at this story and we think, you know, Daniel was unharmed in any way that everything just worked out. If I brought in lions this morning, and though they did not attack you, would you walk away feeling the same way? We visited the Houston Zoo, and by the way, I do not like zoos. Because growing up, Mom, I think every time we went was July or August. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about Arkansas, but it is just as hot and humid in Arkansas. We just don't get the wind. And so it's walking around on pavement for, what is it, 27 hours a day? Something like that. <laughs> it's hot. But when we, when we visited the Houston Zoo, Evan had a, a field trip there, and we were, we were actually looking for the lions. And the, if you've been there, you know, it's a large enclosure. And we couldn't find them. I was like, man, I kind of want to see a lion. And then we noticed they were up on the rock. And I kind of, as soon as I met eyes with this lion, oh, my gracious. I've hunted animals before, but I don't want to be on the same continent as that thing. And that's what Daniel had to face because of his faith. Daniel wasn't alone in this walk. We know his, his friends, Rack, Shack, and Benny, have a story as well, and we're going to read that this morning. From Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high, about 90 feet, and 6 cubits wide, about 9 feet, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. 
So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, boy, they want to make sure you know that they came. <laughs> Magistrates and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, could have just said that, right? You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of, the go of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You can hear the spite in their voice, can't you? Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all these instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, man. I think all of these instruments were present, don't you think? If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We know the rest of the story, don't we? Because of their faith, they were thrown into this fiery furnace that the king was so irritated by that it was said that he lit it to seven times its normal heat, its normal temperature. And as he walked around, he asked his, his people, his guys, did we not just throw three guys into this furnace? Because what I see here is four walking around. And we know that God protected these men because of their faith. Now, as a parent, if we see this, these stories as a parent, at some point in, in our kids' lives and in our lives, they are set free. Senior Sunday's next week. This has nothing to do with that. But they are set free to make some of their own decisions, aren't they? And I can't help but think about these young teenagers, probably, that were put into these awful circumstances. And what a pleasure it would be to know that my son stood up in the face of evil, stood up in the face of really someone challenging his faith. What I love that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said was they had so much faith in God. 
said, our God is able to deliver us from you, and he will. But they didn't go as far to say, and I know we will not be burned up in this furnace, did they? Oftentimes, our, our faith is tested when uh, we're worried God will not bring us through this illness or this thing that has happened. But I think we can learn a lot from the faith of these three men when they're saying, God has the power and he will deliver us. And what is implied there is no matter the outcome of this. Whether we are put in there and burned up or we are saved right now, God will deliver us and we have that kind of faith. And I can't imagine what it was like to see this scenario play out and to see men who were put into this furnace and walk right back out. I think I'd have some questions for them. I, I can imagine if, if I was in that furnace, they probably were walking around going, all right, it's not that bad. But they had a faith. We're not told about their upbringing but can you imagine the kind of upbringing they had to have this kind of faith? That in our families, that that's what we're here for, right? That we don't have children, we don't influence them just to, uh, just to influence them in any way. As parents, we all, hopefully as good parents, we all want our kids to succeed in life, right? But to succeed as a Christian is to have this kind of faith that when challenged, when tested, that our kids will stand up and say, I have faith in a God that is over all of this and can handle anything that you can throw at me. And I pray that's the kind of family you had. I know for a lot of us, we have different kinds of families. Had I not been adopted, I would have had a lot of challenges. And I don't say that to, uh, uh, to look down on my family. My family has told me that. I've told you my story before and and I'll tell you again, for some of you who don't know, but uh, my family was so poor that I was the third child and my mom was 20. And she told my father that I had died and the state had taken care of it. That's how poor they were. That he didn't even question that. And so 27 years later, we had a conversation on the phone and as I'm trying to explain who I am, you can imagine how weird that is. He said, I had a son, but he died. And I said, well, I'm him. And after a couple of days, he, he came back and we had another conversation. You could tell he was a little hurt, knowing that he'd been lied to. But after a couple of days, he came back and he said, you know what? She made the right decision. I would have tried to raise you, both, both he and my grandmother, said, you wouldn't have had the kind of life you had. And man, I appreciated that. I think I learned where I get my laid-backness uh, as well, because if someone would have done that to me, I don't know. I love my kids. I love them, and I want the best for them. And that's what we're here to do as parents, as mothers, as fathers, as uh, a parent person in a child's life. We are not here just to make sure that our kids make a bunch of money one day and have a nice house and a nice car. We are here to show them the way to the Father. And as we have read over and over, our Father is one who pursues us constantly. You are not going to be a perfect parent. You know that? 
If you're still sitting here thinking, I have done it perfectly, I, we need to talk. Man, I was naive in some things. I thought, man, I will parent them both the same way. We won't have any issues. And then Logan was born. And he's his own guy. Anybody got that kid? Yeah. Not here. <laughs> Not here, yeah. yeah. Came to mind, though, huh? Yeah. We are not going to be perfect parents, and I don't want you to sit here beating yourself up for mistakes you have made. Because you can ask for forgiveness, and it can be done if you have sinned against God or sinned against someone else. We are here to do the best that we can for as long as we can to parent our kids and to lead them to God. Because he wants them, every one of them, just like he wants you. Praise God that we serve a God full of grace and mercy and love because I need that. I'm thankful that God shows us his will and the way that he has stretched out his arms over and over to us and the way he has used people that were not perfect. Showing us an example. How hard would it be if we came to Scripture every week and all we read about was perfect people? I'd walk home, wouldn't you? I can't do this. But God shows us that he works with imperfect people because he is a God of love and of mercy. So this morning as we think about these stories, think about what it is in your family. Have you had a focus on faith that you need to have? No, you haven't done it perfectly. But what can I do today to help influence my son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, anyone that you have influence over in your house? That when tested, and you know that they will be tested, don't you? Some of you left the nest a long time ago, and you know as soon as you go to college, you start getting tested. And you start making decisions. I grew up going to church. Every time the doors were open, I got to college, and I was good for about a year. Then I realized I love video games. <laughs> and I love staying up late playing them. And... Like I've told you before, that's the time I realized my mom had some sort of electric connection because she would call me every Sunday that I did not go to church. I don't know if she hired a spy, <laughs> but she didn't call me on the days I did go to church. I'm not sure how that worked. But she wanted the best for her son. And it wasn't some kind of, you need to go check the boxes. It is, you need to know God and you need to love God. Because that time influences this time. And this time influences the next, does it not? So I just want to encourage you this morning, if, if there's any way that you need to make your relationship with God right, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk beside you if there's some help you need in your family. Uh, if you need to mend fences or anything like that, we'd love to help you with that. If you haven't begun your walk with God, you, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus to experience the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior who came to the earth to die for imperfect people. Scripture tells us while we were yet sinners, that's when he did that. Let's begin that walk today. Francisco's got a song of invitation to stand.